Good morning. It's May 30th, and you are listening to the 24-7 Sports Morning Blitz. My name is Connor Tapp, and I'm joined on the other line by 24-7 Sports College Sports Editor, Trey Scott. Trey, depending on when you started the clock, I think we are now entering day five of Brew McCoy Watch. Let's do an emotional wellness check. How are you holding up? How are we feeling? This is a slow burn. There's something comfort- comforting about the fact that, like, Wednesday was all about Texas meeting Brew, and then Thursday is going to be all about whether Brew enters the portal. It's kind of like a nice, like a dramatic uh, uh, series playing out, Connor. There's something fast about it. You kind of have had time at this point to to catch your emotions and prepare yourself for the worst of all outcomes. Um, and it looks like I think most people still think Brew's going to go back to USC. It, it but, when you say that, it kind of we'll makes me think of uh, Game of Thrones just going off the air here, where like every week we're kind of picking apart what just happened and breaking down the next week on trailer uh, to kind of get a sense of uh, of what's uh, ahead for us. Um, Brew's been good for late May business. Brew's been good. So uh, Chip Brown had a story up today on Horns twenty four seven. He wrote sources. Told Horns 24-7 Wednesday morning, Texas head coach Tom Herman, receivers coach coach Drew Maringer, Longhorns quarterback Sam Ellinger, and director of player personnel Kevin Washington were en route to Los Angeles for a meeting with the McCoys late Wednesday afternoon. Now, when we had Chip Brown on the podcast yesterday, I, I he told us that this caravan was anticipated, but I think the Sam Ellinger's participation in it, is that, is that new information today? Definitely new information. Now, Sam was in San Diego this past weekend for the Steve Clarkson quarterback retreat. So I think that was an easy trip. I think the thought of Sam Ellinger going from Austin to LA is a little bit ridiculous, but maybe if he drove up from San Diego to LA, that makes a little bit more sense. Sam Ellinger has got enough Colt McCoy in him to where I, I, I can see him staring at brew in the eye and saying, brew, you know, we want to win a national championship this fall. Come join us. USC. Like Connor, like th- this, this is not, this is such an interesting dilemma here because it has nothing to do with football. You feel like, like Texas, find me, find me someone who's going to tell you that USC is a better football scenario this fall than Texas. Like USC might not even be coached by Clay Helton in six months. Yeah, Texas is a top ten team, and it seems like this is all a homesickness issue. He's two thousand miles away from home, probably misses LA. You can imagine, as Chip said on Wednesday, on Wednesday's podcast, that. You know, spring football ends and campus is quiet and you're one of a few early enrolling freshmen. And all of a sudden, things are a little bit different and you're hearing from you're hearing from all your friends back home. But this just doesn't have anything to do with football. And so it's it's been hard to really have any idea what's going on. And and it's kind of made you have a lot of sympathy for Brew McCoy because this is all playing out so publicly. Yeah, um, Greg Biggins, who's very plugged in with the McCoy family and many Southern California prospects, um, he, on the 24-7 Sports Recruiting Podcast that we just recorded and posted on Wednesday, went into some detail about how he kind of knew this was coming, but was just is so close with them that didn't feel comfortable reporting anything on it. Um, and that basically it's a little bit more complicated than homesickness. So, uh, and so yeah, I mean... I don't know. It's it's a tough situation, and I feel like playing back at yesterday's uh, Morning Blitz podcast. I was like, man, I feel like I came a little bit harsh on uh, Brew McCoy. But like, if we if we like really examine my college decision process, it was an absolute hot mess. Basically, it came down to I lived in the city, and my girlfriend was going there. So like, we held 
that up to the scrutiny that we hold up uh, college uh, football prospects, I'd be in serious trouble. But yeah, it's a tough situation and kind of just want what's best for him. And as you said, it's tough because it doesn't seem like a football issue at all. Like Texas is in clearly in better shape than USC. By all accounts, he was fitting in with the team and playing well. Um, well, and he could be eligible this fall. He wouldn't even be eligible at USC this fall. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see as this goes on. I imagine a part of this story will be kind of a postmortem where maybe at that point we do get some details on what exactly the factors were here that led to him wanting to go back. Or if he, hey, if he stays in Texas, maybe we we never get that. And it just remains a delightful little mystery. Who knows? So like Greg Biggins' quote was, it's more than just homesickness. It's more than just being comfortable from a football standpoint. I know he's killing it. So like, I'm still trying though to figure out Connor, like what is like, what else could it be? Like, I don't know. It in football. I wonder if, and I mean, I don't, I don't want to get into just wild speculation, so I won't, but I, it's almost a thing where you wonder if something happened, um, that just maybe has to do with, I, I don't know. I don't even want to, I don't even want sure. to speculate because no, I have fair. I have that's no fair. footing for the speculation, but um, I don't know. It's this is, you know, I'm reading I'm reading the Horns 24 seven like staff roundtable, and they're all like, this is the most unique situation I've ever seen in all my years covering the team, and I think each of them have been covering the team for about ten years or so. So, yeah, this really is, wild uh, combination of like his stature as a prospect and the stature of these two programs yes. and just the it would be wild if this had happened over the course of a four year career. But the fact that it's happening in the span of six months is really something to behold. And thank you for Brew for giving. I hope I hope I hope you're OK. I hope you end up in a good spot. But thank you for giving us some content in in the middle of May here. Um, the, the, real quick, like yeah. when Texas got Brew McCoy, when Texas worked this out, felt like, you know, in the middle of the night kind of thing to get Brew McCoy, went from Brew McCoy to transfer from USC because of the Cliff Kingsbury thing falling through to go to Texas. Connor, that felt to Texas fans like validation that Texas was back. I said it yesterday. That was the cherry on top mm. of a Sugar Bowl winning season. Mm. It was not only to you win 10 games, you beat OU, you beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. You've got a great recruiting class going to, to, to get the number nine player in the country. Like after he had literally enrolled on campus, that was a really big deal from a, a program. He grew up rooting for his high school quarterback. JT Daniels is USC's quarterback. That, that was something that was a, a recruiting moment. Texas hadn't had in 10 years and to see it all fizzle away. In addition to some other, you know, less than savory uh, happenings for Texas on the recruiting trail. It's been a tough, sobering week for Texas. Yeah, I, I was I was getting ready to bring up. Do we do we want to? We didn't have him sure. on the agenda, but Zachary Evans, uh, Chris Hummer. Yeah, I mean that was he. He spoke to Chris Hummer. He was like, "Hey, I'm going to release my top five tonight. Texas won't be on it. Neither will A and M. Texas had been the perceived leader, and, and Chris asked why, and he said, "You know, I I guess I could pull it up, but Chris, you know, Zachary Evans told Chris, you know, Texas. I'm not saying they can't win a national championship, but they're not quite there." You know, I know they beat Georgia, but it's not like they blew them out. What happens when you play Alabama or Clemson? I, so I, I, really, I know, I know, packing that court. Yeah, I mean, the thing that jumps out is you barely beat Georgia. Which sorry what? that you were up twenty-eight to seven against a team that won the t- played the national title the year before. Yeah. <laughs> so it hasn't been the best week for Tom Herman, which makes sense that he would send a caravan out to L.A. 
we'll yeah. see if it proves fruitful. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, uh, elsewhere in college football, we've got the SEC spring meetings in Destin, Florida, which, Trey, if someone stopped you on the street and was like, hey, explain to me what the SEC spring meetings are. Like, how, how do you think you'd be, do a good job answering that question? College coaches and and the media go to a nice city and they probably play golf and answer breezy questions in polos and talk about pointless things that really don't need a summit <laughs> to talk about. And then and then you have media days a month and a half later. I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's like they're kind of getting their ducks in a row trying to figure out what kind of legislation they want to get behind, what kind of issues are important to them. And that kind of thing, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's not the. I, f- I feel like college football just kind of needs some centralization. It feels like we get all these rules proposals, and then I have, I honestly have a very difficult time keeping track of like what is something somebody has proposed as a rule change at a conference, and what is actually the rules now. I someone needs to it's make it's our a sp- jobs to keep track of this, and I can't keep track of it. Yeah, it's like, I I don't even like. Where do they do they still have kickoffs? So like, I don't, I don't know. I was, I was shocked to see, you know, you have on our rundown SEC beer. I didn't yeah. know that SEC stadiums, none of them sold alcohol. They do not. Like, and what, what's, what, is that a cultural thing? I mean, is that a control thing? I, it was a pretty yeah. big deal six years ago when a lot of colleges started becoming more lax on that. Yeah. I didn't know the SEC was not doing that. Yeah, it's a weird thing. It's a South thing where it's, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's strange. Um, and, but yeah, no, I never, I have never attended. I, I don't think maybe I'd have to go back and check all my tickets, but I, I don't think I've ever attended a college football game that, uh, where they sold beer, maybe a bowl game I went to. I don't so know. I have. And I think, you know, schools schools will say this is not a money ploy. It's absolutely a money ploy, but I do think it makes a little bit more sense. I remember at Texas, I was a senior when they were talking about doing this. In my first year, uh, you know, out of Austin, it was the year they had done it. And you know, you've we've all been there. You know, the kickoffs in an hour, thirty minutes, and, and if you want to be liquored up, you're getting as much in your system as you oh, can because yeah. you're about to go four and a half hours without it. Yeah, you do so, not want to be coming into the third quarter after having to watch the band for 15 minutes, like having your buzz wearing off. That is right. It's not the spot you want to be in. So, the argument then is fan experience. You improve that because yeah, maybe you're you know you just want to go get a nice Coors Light, but also it's a little bit safer because you're not binge drinking. Yeah, and the sun hours before the game is that going to stop a lot of people from doing that? No. But I think if you can say, hey, I'm going to pass on these next three fireball shots because there's a place where I can get a $13, 24-ounce domestic beer, I might do that. So Yeah, I think it's kind of like the uh, cool parents who are like, hey, uh, if, if you're going to be drinking, do it do it in our house where it's safe. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I hope they, uh, Ross Dellinger of Sports Illustrated said, update on this, you know, they've got the votes so, yeah, we'll see. As as we said earlier, it can be very disorienting to keep up with what's been proposed, what they have the votes for, what's passed, what has passed the first committee, and then needs to go to the floor of the next committee. But we'll keep you posted when this actually becomes a thing. Uh, right now, it just seems likely that it will become a thing. Remember a few years ago at SEC spring meetings or whatever they call this was the hot topic was the grad transfer rule. Yeah, the SEC being different uh, because I believe uh, – 
Everett Golson was the Notre Dame quarterback who some SEC teams wanted, but he had to go to Florida State because of the grad transfer rule in the SEC. This is obviously your ancient times now with the NCAA transfer rule. But maybe I'll be, I'll be interested to see in 2023 what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Justin. Um, so we got some odds for mm-hmm. some for some college football games. I'm not – with the ever-changing sports betting rules, I'm not totally – are we in the clear to mention the name of this provider? I'm not sure. So uh, we'll just reference you the number. You can find it on Twitter. Yeah, you can just – Look it up on Twitter. Um, so uh, the way I, I, Trey, we talked before we started recording. We're not super interested in like picking these spreads, more of just kind of using them as a jumping off point for for some conversation about things that interest us about some of these games. Um, so uh, why don't you why don't you lead us off here with uh, well, one one year into? Well, Vegas really likes Clemson, don't they? Uh, they've got Clemson as a thirty one point favorite in its opener against Georgia Tech. And then in week two, uh, Clemson is a 16-and-a-half-point favorite over Texas A&M. They'll play in Death Valley last year in week two. A&M almost won that game in College Station, but that was before Trevor Lawrence had taken hold of the Clemson starting job. That's a, Those are a lot of points. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot of points for a Clemson team that while I'm sh- I have every confidence that they will be incredibly good, they lose a lot of pieces, and I don't know. I, I'm interested in that Georgia Tech game. It's a 31-point spread. It's on a Thursday to open the season on August 29th. It is in Clemson, but and I, 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 it's less that I think Georgia Tech will cover that, and it's more that I'm just I don't know. It's kind of an early season game. Clemson replacing a lot of big pieces and a new a new coaching staff at Georgia Tech that might have some momentum coming in from a from a nice nice start to their to their offseason here. So I don't I don't know. But I at think the same time, Connor, they are taking a roster that has run the triple option yeah. and, and replacing it with a, a more pro style scheme. Yeah. That, I, you know, could be a lot of square peg around holes. I forgot to mention Clemson's it's gonna be a twenty one point favorite in the carrier dome, where last time they played there they lost. So Big expectations. Big expectations for sure. I wish Alabama was on this docket because I'd like to compare some of Alabama's spreads and its very easy non-conference schedule. And I'm wondering at this point if Vegas is trending towards Clemson being the best team in the country. Mm. Even though I think most people, despite the fact that Clemson won the title game, I think Alabama is going to pop up at number one in both polls in August. Yeah, uh, Alabama's just kind of been the de facto betting favorite for many, many years now. Uh, with Clemson winning two of the last three, maybe. Maybe maybe that starts to change. We'll see. Um, another one that jumped out to me, of course, is uh, South Carolina minus six and a half against North Carolina. It's uh, not a true home game for North Carolina. It's at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. Um, so I I think six and a half is about right. I I think my thought on this is that will probably be bet down to a lower number, but I think it'll have to do with some nice recruiting victories that Mac Brown is making and doing a good job with, but that ultimately don't change the fact that North Carolina's roster right now is not in very great shape. And uh, South Carolina is returning a four year starter at quarterback. So yeah, uh, it's going to be a senior quarterback first, maybe a true freshman quarterback. We talked to Mac Brown last week. He kind of got me feeling bullish about the Tar Heels. He pointed out, yeah, they went to a nine last year, but they had a lot of, a lot of injuries. Depth was an issue. I think they're going to do a good job there. I think they're also going to start true freshman Sam Howell. That's tough. You know, six and a half. I almost would. I almost maybe trust the North Carolina staff a little bit more, but I think South Carolina has better players right now. 
We've got uh, Florida and Miami in Orlando uh-huh. on August 24th. Uh, that line is Florida minus four and a half. Um, I, I, <laughs> I, man, I don't know. That That's a lot of confidence in Miami, I think. That's I don't, a ton of confidence. It's not, it's obviously not even a home game for Miami. Yeah. Miami was very bad last year. Florida yeah. is a preseason top 10 team. Had a tough offseason. I think that comes down to how how much do you think Manny Diaz's business in the transfer portal yields immediate results for him? Um, Maybe if that's a little bit later in the... I mean, even with some of these ready-made players, you're ready to step in and contribute. Integrating into a team uh, that's been playing together for a while is another question. So maybe maybe I like that a little bit better for Miami if it's later in the season. I don't know. It's kind of an interesting point you bring up. I don't want to get too in-depth with it. We always talk about, okay, they've got a young team. How long is that going to take to adjust? What's the difference now? Like, what's the buffer period if you're a team that adds a ton of transfers? Yeah. Like, how much time do those guys need? Like, college coaches are always like, it's November. These aren't freshmen anymore. So, like, when are the when are the transfers not transfers anymore? Because Miami does have a ton of transfers, but they also don't have an established quarterback yet. Uh, Tay Martell was supposed to be the guy. He was third string ending spring. That's interesting. Okay, LSU, Texas. Yeah. I don't want to spend too much time on that because this is training Texas. heavy Texas. <laughs> yeah. I'm, a, I'm a little bit surprised that Texas wouldn't be a, a favorite in Austin. LSU is minus one and a half. That has been bet down from three or seven, as some fake circles of the internet would say. Interesting line to watch. Tom Herman's great as an underdog. And then one more, Connor. I circled Oklahoma minus 16 at UCLA. Chip Kelly's Bruins in week three. I had seen a line earlier in the week that was Oklahoma minus 10 and a half. I was like, that's not very many points. So hmm. I don't know which lines we're going to choose to trust as, as kickoff gets closer, but UCLA was was pretty bad last year. Yeah, that's that's a lot of confidence in UCLA, I think. Um, I, yeah, and I think uh, my, my, a takeaway I have from this list is I'm kind of reminded how many really – interesting non-conference games we have this year just a lot of helmets on the same field that we are not really used to seeing together boise state like, did Florida you state. remember yeah were you about to say boise state florida yeah state? yeah that's why now that is a classic game though connor that we're gonna say right now i'm like give me every bit of boise state florida state but i think by the end of that night we'll I want it like, to be oh, over <laughs> i forgot i forgot how bad florida state is yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that might be very well be the spot that we are in with that one for sure um well trey that is going to do it for today's episode of the 24 7 sports morning blitz if you enjoyed what you heard make sure to leave us a five-star rating on apple podcasts tell a friend to check us out and tune back in tomorrow